What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Like, there's a lot of different ways we can answer that question. Right here in our room, are you guys any guys hungry? I mean, we get here, it's at 7.30, and it's, uh, sometimes we skip breakfast, and it's like, man, I, so I'm hungry. And so hunger is a really good mechanism our body has. It's a way of our body going, hey, feed me. <laughs> Do something. It's the check engine light of your life. Your stomach starts grumbling. You're like, I need to go through a drive-thru or open the fridge. And so we're thankful for our hunger. Uh, when I was in high school, I was on the wrestling team. And uh, for some reason in my brain, I associate wrestling in high school with hunger. And if you were ever on a wrestling team, you might understand why. See, wrestling is a sport that is based uh, completely in uh, weight class. And so basically heavier kids wrestle heavier kids, lighter hit kids wrestle lighter kids. There's weight classes all throughout. And your goal is to kind of hit a target weight that's going to give you the optimal uh, body size and weight and a competitive advantage and stuff like this. And so, but there were always guys on our team who were just hovering like a few pounds over their weight limit you know, goal or what they would want to be at if they wanted to wrestle at a certain weight. And so they would do all kinds of things leading up to a match to get ready to be at their weight days in advance. And then especially, uh, you know, uh, two, one day ahead of a match, if they're a couple pounds heavy, it's funny the stuff they would do. I mean, they wear extra clothes at practice and they're trying to sweat it all off and they're riding the bike in between practices. And you know, if, if, if you've ever wrestled before, you know I'm sugarcoating it. Like it, people are crazy about how they're trying to lose three pounds. And, uh, but the easiest way on the last 48 hours, 36 hours, and don't feel bad for these boys because they could afford to do this, they would just skip a few meals. Okay, and so they're going to skip, you know, maybe two whole days of meals, maybe a day and a half, maybe just a day or eat really lightly. And these guys, man, the, the amount to which they would whine about, I'm so hungry. Oh, I hope you're enjoying your sandwich. I'm so hungry. You know, and they would whine. And we'd be like, shut up. You don't have to wrestle that way. You could wrestle, you know, heavier or just not. But anyway, but the magic moment would come where they could go way in. And if it was a weekend tournament, it was a big deal because you could weigh in early in the morning. And when you weighed in, it would you go in with a coach and an official, and then your weight would be official. So if you, you clocked in at 165, now you're 165. That's what you weigh now. And now you can go eat. And, you could, and these guys would just dig in. So they would pack their gym bags. With like, I remember our, our like food of choice was canned pasta, the family-sized ravioli, full of carbs and protein, right? Or spaghetti and meatballs. Or guys would bring like foot-long subs in their bag. I remember people would send people out for McDonald's or something. And I, wa I once watched a dude on a, on a tournament weekend sit down and eat 50 chicken nuggets, two cheeseburgers, a large drink, and the large french fry, all in one sitting. And then he wrestled for six minutes, multiple times. Old to be young, right? <laughs> but this guy like threw down. What are you hungry for? That's the question. What are you hungry for? Because I think that there is something to hunger that we all get, we can all relate to. And it is going to kick off 2021 in a brand new way for us starting today. So hold that thought. What are you hungry for? We're starting a new teaching series today called Rhythms of a Disciple. Rhythms of a Disciple. It's going to be six weeks. A rhythm is like a... It's a groove you get into. It's a pattern that you follow. It's a cycle that you can predict, like music or dancing. It's a rhythm. And all parts of our life have rhythm, whether you realize it or not. I mean, you got like your habits. You go to bed at a certain time. You get up at a certain time. You take a certain path to work. You do certain things. And these rhythms are actually kind of what make you who you are. I mean, you can just kind of take this person's rhythm compared to that person's rhythm, subtract the difference, and that's, that's their personality. That's who they are. And every part of our life has rhythms to it. And 
The same is true with our spiritual life. So Jesus, when he was coming together with his early disciples, they got into certain rhythms. These are things that they did every day. These are things that they did once a week. These are things that they did on a routine throughout the year or annually. And these routines, these rhythms made up who they were. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but if anyone is to call themselves a Christian, to claim Christianity or say that they serve Jesus, they actually are kind of called to live in that same rhythm, the same rhythm that Jesus and the disciples lived in. In fact, to call yourself a Christian and not live in the rhythms of, of a disciple is a lie because it's not just a title. It's not just a badge that we wear. It's not just a club that we join. It's a lifestyle. And so the rhythms that Jesus and his disciples live, they should become the rhythms of our life or at the very least begin to uh, impact and influence the other rhythms of our life. You know, they didn't watch you know, TV or listen to podcasts, but the things that they did could inform the things that we do in modern times. And this rhythm is what we're shooting for. So the, over the course of six weeks, this is week one, over the course of the next five weeks, our goal is to use this acronym, HABITS, H-A-B-I-T-S, as an acronym to guide us through the idea of what are the rhythms of a disciple. And so let me just talk about these, these habits or the, the acronym uh, real quick. I'm going to give them to you real fast. H is hunger for righteousness. Then abiding with God. That's our A. B, Bible internalization. I, inter intentional relationships. T, telling the story. S, serving others. If you didn't catch all those, that's a teaser for you to stick around for the next five weeks because I want us to, over these six weeks, get these six disciplines in our life that we can develop the habits, the rhythms of a disciple. And this is just a memory tool, the six-letter thing, because there's lots of other things you can do to be in rhythm with Jesus. But these are six big things that will really help us. Uh, now, traditionally, these things are called spiritual disciplines, or they might be called part of spiritual formation. And the idea, are these are things that I do, these are disciplines in my life, these are practices that I have that get me on the same page with God. But these six, and there's lots of them, I mean, anything from vacuuming your living room to working on your car can be part of a spiritual discipline. But these six would be a good place to start. And I want to tell you about a resource. There's a guy named Richard Foster, and I want you to take a second today, even right now, if you've got a device you can look up separate from this, look up a book called Celebration of Discipline. It's an excellent book. Richard Foster wrote this way back in 1978, but it has stood the test of time. It's one that I read in college. I read again sometime after college, and I'm working through it right now as a companion volume to this teaching series. In fact, I if you read that book, you could probably skip this teaching series because you'll get more out of that book than I can give you. Uh, but use them together. They've got uh, you know uh, e-books you can use on your device, or you can order it from Amazon. Check it out. Richard Foster, Celebration of Discipline. But his book starts out with this sentence, and I want to kind of bounce this sentence off of you. See how, how hits you. See if you like it or how it makes you feel. He says, superficiality is the curse of our age. Let that sink in. Superficiality is the curse of our age. You agree with that? What do you think about it? Uh, superficiality is something that happens only on the surface. Um, concerned with surface level things. Uh, more specifically, especially in terms of what we're talking about, it's like something appears really, really important until you give it further examination and you realize maybe it's not as important as I thought it was. 
That's superficial. That's superficiality. And superficiality shows up all over our life in virtually every part of what we do if we tune into popular culture especially. It shows up in our relationships when we're more concerned about uh, how attractive someone is than we are in their moral character and how they're made, you know, and how they treat people. It shows up in our education when we're more concerned with passing a test than we are with mastering a topic or, or preparing for a job, right? It shows up in politics when a politician is more concerned with poll numbers and re-election than they are with actually solving problems and helping people. It shows up uh, in our time management. When you rush through a task and you just you zoom right through it instead of taking the time to do it right the first time. It shows up in our finances when we just max out credit cards and we buy stuff we don't need instead of living within our means and living to be to save for the future and be generous in the present. So all of these things, they show up. Superficiality shows up in our life. Is it true that superficiality is the curse of, of our generation? That, that's what superficiality looks like in our world today. And when... We look at the things that we just talked about closer, upon closer examination, we find those things, they don't fill us, you know, they don't, they don't nurture us spiritually, they don't bring us life, they're, they're shallow. And we run a danger in living in superficial things that we become shallow people. And so we have shallow relationships, we have shallow character, shallow skill sets, shallow wisdom and knowledge. We're just, we can become shallow people and sadly and overarchingly, we can be shallow spiritually. And, and our spirit, our soul is the driving force, it's the battery, it's the engine between, behind everything else we do. And I don't think we want to be shallow spiritually, so what do we do? In a sense, it will leave us hungry. What are you hungry for? Today, I want to create a hunger for something deep, a hunger for something nourishing on a soul level. Think about it. If all you fed your body was junk food, what would your body turn into? Well, we can look around and see lots of examples of that probably, right? And the reality is you could probably live on junk food, just sugar and soda and artificial stuff. You could probably live on that for a while, a long time. I mean, what's the national age, average age of American? I don't know. It's like it's, it'll probably be a test subject on how long you can live not eating very healthy. But eventually, it's going to take a toll on your body. And eventually, it's going to shut you down. And it's really easy to take that approach in our spiritual life. Where we just want to graze on the surface. We want to be shallow. We want to be superficial. We want, it's not about nourishing and nourishment. It's about just kind of skimming the surface. And so what does this look like? I mean, this is no judgment here. This is just me. This is like, maybe this is just saying, I mean, I believe in God. I got faith. I, got, I believe in God. I mean, how deep is that? Well, it's, it's like maybe just church attendance, just grazing the surface. I'm there. I'm present. But what's happening in here? It's maybe, maybe you got some inspirational quotes or you got some good books or maybe, and that's good. That's good. But how deep does it go? Maybe just attending a Bible study or having some uh, good Christian music playing in your life at some point. Those things are, are good, but how deep does it go? And if we only graze the surface and we're only there superficially, then there's no depth to our walk with God. And there's a danger in that because just like our bodies will fail if we only feed ourselves superficially, our souls will suffer if we don't feed ourselves deeply on the rich, nourishing things that God has for us. And so we get hungry for righteousness. I want to look at the H today in our acronym. H-A-B-I-T-S, habits. H is a hunger for righteousness. What are you hungry for? I think it's an excellent place to get, begin because you don't have to be a super spiritual person to start here. You don't have to be really deep. No matter where you are in your walk or lack thereof with God, you can start right now going, what am I hungry for? It's just an assessment. 
It's an opportunity to say, what is it that I try to pour into my life? Let's look at the Bible. We're going to be all over the Bible today in various places, and we're going to start in the Old Testament. So if you've got a Bible, flip over to the book of Psalms. It's probably right almost in the middle of your Bible if you've got a printed one. Scroll down if you've got the digital kind. That'd be easier to find. Psalms, we're going to be in chapter 42, and King David writes this little poem that, man, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites. Uh, I feel like I say that about so many scriptures, but Psalm 42, he says this, as a, starting at verse 1, As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Some versions say, so my soul longs for you, my God. Verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? I love that last sentence. It sounds like a kid who's just so excited to go play at their best friend's house. You know, when can I go, mom? When can I go? When can I go and meet with my God? This is hunger. This is that, that deep grumbling in your spiritual stomach to seek nourishment that only God can provide. It's what you're hungry for. You might not even realize it. I will never forget the, a couple that I met several years ago here in Wilmington when we first moved here. Uh, he had no Christian background. He actually kind of resented the church. He had his reasons. He was also wrestling with an addiction in his life, and it was really, it was really messing with him. She had grown up in the church, but she had kind of drifted away from that and wasn't really into it. But they kind of hit a place in their life. By most measures, they were, pretty, they were a happy couple. They liked each other. They liked their life. But they hit a part in their life where they were like, we just need something different. And they were looking and looking, and they decided, let's give church a try. <laughs> and so they showed up with us at Venture Church. And uh, I remember I, I first met her earlier, and then they both came when we were meeting at Alderman Elementary School. And, uh, and I got to know them a little bit better. And they said, hey, we, we're just trying to do something different. Can we talk to you sometime? So they invited me over to their house. And I hung out for just a minute. And when we got into the, we, she dove right in. I, 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 love, I love this lady. She's so awesome. She dove right in. She just said, okay, I got to say it. I am sick and tired of living in sin. And I am so hungry for God. And I was like, wow, well, that really just makes this conversation easy. I mean, I, let's just, let's work on this. There were some things that they were living in and doing, and, and one that was weighing the heaviest on them was they were living together, but they weren't married yet. And they, and they were just like, you know, we, we just need to, we need to take some steps with our life. And I said, well, you, you have already made the decision. And she was like, yeah, yeah, we've already made the decision, but can you help us? I love this couple and I love their story. They had already done some things. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, oh God. When can I go and be with God? And so they had already started some of this thing. For example, they had stopped sleeping in the same room. They were staying in separate rooms already. They had already, he had already started getting some help for his addiction. And then through some of my guidance and, and, and introducing them to some people, they got involved in some other conversations and some Bible, Bible study. They started serving at our church. They started getting plugged in. He had gotten some help and he started, uh, he, he sobered up from his addiction. And at that point, they said, let's, let's get married. Uh, let's get married. And so they did. And I, I love it as their life came together and they started to change. And sadly, they moved away shortly after they got married. But I've stayed in touch with them. I actually talked to them this past week because just so you know, I don't just go off willy-nilly telling stories about people's life, especially people that you might know, uh, without asking permission first. And I found out that uh, this couple... Their pastor right now is like badgering them to become small group leaders. <laughs> They're like, hey, will you please leave? We want people like you to guide other people at our church. I look at a story like that. The life change, the transformation that happened in this couple's life. Where did it begin? It began when she said, I am sick and tired of living in sin. And I'm so hungry for God. Now, he was coming from a different place. He didn't grow up in church. He didn't have some of that background. I loved his perspective. He said, 
I just don't like who I've become. And, and I see what you guys are talking about at church, and I hear what happens from people who live for God, but maybe I could take some of those steps. And he's come such a long way, too. He's, I mean, he's one of the people being asked to be a small group leader. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, listen to this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus says, if you're hungry for it, I'll fill you up. I'll give you the nourishment that you need. And you don't have to be a, a theological expert or a perfect person to make it happen. The Apostle Peter gives us this in, in 1 Peter 2, too. He says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Getting in rhythm with God, developing habits, and growing spiritually, it starts like anything else starts. It starts with baby steps. It starts with one bite at a time. It starts with one day at a time, sometimes one minute, one hour at a time. But it has to start with some kind of desire. Call it a hunger. Call it a need. Call it what. It has to start with a desire inside of you. Sometimes people who are, are trying to improve their diet have to honestly assess the things that they're eating. And they have to be like, is this healthy? <laughs> Should I? And so there's, there's so many good diets out there that like there's this thing called the Whole30. I've never done it myself, but it's, it's kind of the diet where you, you take out a bunch of things from your diet and you basically strip down to like rice and water or something. I don't know. And, and then because your body gets to reset and then you reintroduce things and it sees, you know, it's one way to find out what you have allergies to or what causes your aching bones or whatever. And so, and it's this kind of concept that happens uh, when you're assessing your spiritual life. What are the things that are in your life? Now, I've never done the whole 30, but I've told you many times, like I, I have over and over um, moderated my use of the drug Dr. Pepper. Uh, and so I'm constantly asking myself, you know, how much soda do I need to be drinking? How much sugar am I putting in my life? And so I've taken times where I've taken, you know, months off from drinking soda to reset. Now, here's the thing. As soon as I take this out of my life, do you think I immediately start craving salads and bottled water? No, no, I want a Dr. Pepper because that's what I'm comfortable with. That's what I like. I like the way that it tastes. Uh, and I use this illustration because it's, it's so true that after taking several months away from that thing, though, your body begins to adjust and the weirdest things happen. Today, I can't sit down and drink a half a gallon of Dr. Pepper at every meal. Like it just, it, it, I don't feel good. I still like Dr. Pepper. I reintroduce it. It's, but you know what I mean? And it's this idea of we begin to develop new taste, new flavor, a new hunger. And we decide that the thing that I was pursuing and pouring into myself didn't make me feel right or didn't treat my body right or it didn't make my soul respond the way that I really wanted to. So maybe you're like my friends that I just talked about who, man, these major changes and there's just this kind of a rock bottom moment where you're like, I'm so hungry for God. But there's a good chance that you're more like me in my relationship with Dr. Pepper where you can actually, I mean, you could show me a 20-ounce Dr. Pepper, and you could tell me all of the negative side effects of having all this sugar in my body, and I can remember the aches of my joints, and I can remember how it makes me feel, and you're like, you still want to drink that? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know? And I think that so often we're like that with our spiritual life. We, we want to pull these things out, and, and we want to do these things, but, you know, it comes right down to just sheer willpower. I'm going to go with what I know. I'm going to go with what I'm comfortable with or what I've been doing for a long time. So this is a process that takes friends, that takes accountability. So no matter what end of that spectrum we're on, you, you can do this. Developing this hunger for righteousness. 
And so to do that, I think I want to ask us a different question. I said, what are you hungry for? Let me rearrange the question. What do you feed to your soul? I want you to think about that for a second. Your soul is who you are, okay? And it is alive because it's being fed. Now, I don't want to get into some super deep theology. Yes, God gives us life and the Holy Spirit. And there's, he has a large part of it that we can't even understand. But there is a part that you play, right? Can we agree with that? Like, there's a part that you play in what you feed your soul. So that's all that you can really affect right now. What do I feed my soul? I think there's two good places to look. I think you can look at your entertainment. These are things you feed your soul and your relationships. There's probably lots of other things, entertainment and relationships. And I'll look at entertainment because that's probably the easiest and maybe the most universally like we can talk about on the same page. When you have dead moments in your day or when you're planning for your weekend or when you have idle time, what do you fill it with? What do you put on your calendar? What do you do when you have five minutes between a meeting? That's just the question. And you'll find out what you're feeding your soul with. Are you mindlessly scrolling through social media? Are you uh, filling your brain with hours and hours of television? What's the quality of those shows you're watching? Are they full of violence and vulgarity and sexuality? Maybe. No judgment. Just asking. What's the music that you pump into your ears at all times? Because this is the stuff you're feeding to your soul. Jesus backs this up in several places. This is the stuff that's getting into us and beginning to shape us. And it is the rhythm that you're living in. I said entertainment and relationships. Think about the relationships that you have. And just two quick questions about that. Do these relationships build you up or do they cut you down? That's one question. And this is more important. Do they help you pursue God or are they pulling you away from God? Which is kind of the same thing as up and down. But I wanted to clarify because we're talking about a spiritual hunger. And we're feeding our soul with junk food. What does that mean for our spiritual health? The Apostle Paul unpacks this in Galatians chapter 5 and 6. And so if you've got a Bible, flip over there. We're going to read chapter 5, verses 16 through 25 right now. But I have another assignment. In addition to getting Celebration of Discipline uh, by Richard Foster this week, I want you to check out Galatians 5 and 6 this week. And if you need something to read this week, read it. Digest it the best way that you can. But we're just going to read a section of it, chapter 5, verse 16 through 25. Because Paul kind of takes this uh, hunger thing and he gives it some names. He talks about walking in the flesh versus walking in the spirit. And that's kind of the same thing we're talking about here. He says, starting in verse 16. So I say, walk by the spirit that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. There's a, there's a, the conflict there. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. If you thought you were in charge of your decisions, you're not. We are living in rhythm and we do what we program ourselves to do. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. There's a lot to that sentence. We won't get into it. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Okay, this is the one half. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. A lot of those words, you might not know what they mean. Look them up. It'll help you know what the, <laughs> the appetite of the flesh is. Um, 21. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 22, that was the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh 
with its passions and its desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? Rhythm. I'm walking to a rhythm. I'm trying to follow where he leads. As a deer pants for streams of water, my soul longs for you. When can I meet with my God? And it's not natural. Like right now in this moment, you might be like, yeah, that sounds good. But give it till tomorrow morning. And the old rhythms take over. And we find ourselves not as hungry as we thought we were for that. That's where the assessment comes. That's where the pulling out and the reintroducing of things happens. I'm constantly in the process of refining my spiritual palate. We're using the hunger analogy. And so I'm constantly adjusting what's on my plate, you know, if you stick with the analogy. And so uh, I, I don't want to pretend like I've got it all figured out. I'm not going to even, you guys in here for sure know and everyone knows. Like, you know, we're all just, we're in this together. But here's an example of one way I've been able to do the doctor, Dr. Pepper trick with some things in my life that are spiritual. Uh, there was a, a show on Netflix that I was really into. I'm not going to endorse it. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But it's, I think I, I looked up a list this week, and I think it's in the top like six or eight all-time Netflix shows in terms of popularity. Very quality main show, but you know what's full of? Vulgarity and immorality and evil plots and sexuality and all kinds of stuff that I just didn't need to be putting into my brain. So one day I decided, this is not good for me. I've got to stop watching it. And so I stopped. I did something crazy, guys. I stopped watching a TV show mid-season. Yeah, I didn't even get to the last episode of that season. I got to be transparent. It was like mid-season three, okay? So it took me a minute to hear the voice of God through that series. But I put it down. Now, do you think that I wanted to go back and find out what happened? Yeah, it was a good story. And my friends were talking about it, and I wanted to see what was going on. It was a popular show. It was people, this was years ago. But like, I, I wanted to see, but I had to say, no, I don't need to fill myself with that. But as I unwrapped my mind from that show, I realized, okay, one, I've got several hours now uh, a week that I had back to myself, and I made an intentional decision. I'm going to invest those hours instead of late at night watching a Netflix show. I'm going to do it early in the morning doing some Bible study and prayer time. And so I, re I reassessed that, and I, I redid that. And as I unwrapped my mind for that, I felt a freedom, and I found a space in my life, and I found something really interesting, a hunger that I didn't even know I had for the presence of God and realizing that what I was eating before was junk food. I've done that with lots of things in my life. Some things have to go away, all the way. I've never gone picked up that show again. There's been lots of times where it's been showing up like, hey, according to the, your watch history, you would like this show. It's like, no, I deleted you. You're not in my life anymore, show. But there's other things in your life that you don't have to get rid of forever, but you got to learn how to do it in moderation. And a good example of this that 99% of you, 100% right this second, can relate to is social media. We are literally on Facebook right now, okay? Now, I know none of you are active Facebook users, and that's, I don't even want to get in that conversation. I'm so, and, we all, and there's constant moderation with that. Like you all have taken some sort of a Facebook break. Hopefully, you probably need to. I'm currently in a phase where I just don't do it on my phone. Now, you might have seen that I, I shared this post earlier. I have an interesting relationship with Facebook right now because for part of my job and a very much big part of my spiritual life is church on Facebook. And so I literally do this. I did it a few minutes ago. I download the Facebook app on Sundays. And because I'm part of the production of this thing every morning, I want to make sure it's working and I want to be able to comment. This afternoon, I'm going to delete it. I've been doing that for about six weeks. Why? Well, because I noticed just before Christmas that it was just taking up too much of my time. I was spending, I was ignoring my family. I was like, I'd be in idle moments like, I wonder what, I already watched this video, but let's watch it again. <laughs> They're still friends from high school. That's great. And that's cool, but I didn't need it. Now, that's something that we need to adjust in moderation. 
I still have it on my laptop. I don't, for whatever reason, engage with it as much on my laptop. You know what I mean? There are things in our life we need to get rid of. There are other things in our life we need to learn to moderate. And in all of those things, it has to be informed by a desire to be hungry for righteousness. And asking myself, am I filling myself with soda or am I filling myself with water? Is this good spiritual food or is it bringing me down? Is it holy? Is it evil? If it's in between, do I need to talk about it? Is it wise? And that's just an example of that fine-tuning. Jesus says this, and he makes us a promise. I can tell you this, no matter what fine-tuning or major tuning you need to do, Jesus promises that if we're hungry for him, he will fill us in a way that nobody else can. This is Jesus in, uh, I don't have the reference here. You'll have it on your screen. Jesus declared this. It's in the book of John. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He also calls himself the living water. Jesus understands this physical understanding we have of hunger and thirst, and he relates it to our spiritual life. And he promises us, you can feed on me. You can find nourishment in me. Your mom might have told you at some point, don't eat that candy. It's going to spoil your dinner. And in the same way, I want to warn us, if we don't pursue a hunger for righteousness, it'll spoil our spiritual self. And you can survive like that for a long time, but eventually it takes a toll. But right now, we can make adjustments. We can make assessment. I don't know if superficiality is the curse of our age or not. There's a lot of things going around. But I do know that a superficial, shallow walk with God will give us a false sense of spiritual health. And we'll walk around feeling real good about where we stand with God, when in reality, God's like, man, I, I don't know that you've ever really taken time to meet me. I've got so much more for you. That's the walk I want to invite us all into this year, 2021. And as we look through the rest of these rhythms of a disciple, that we start to apply those day by day. So assignment for today. Get spiritually hungry. And if you don't feel spiritual hunger, it might be because you're filling yourself with some spiritual junk food. So let, let's, let's see what we can do to pull some of that out. And over the next six weeks, we'll find more. I'm looking forward to unpacking the rhythms of a disciple. I can't wait to uh, see where this leads us as a church family. But before I go, I want to remember that as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul can pant for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with my God? Let's pray.